Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today, the title is The Truth Stands Alone. The Truth Stands Alone, 1 Kings 18, 22. But first I have my shocking pet that I brought back from Florida. That's why I wanted the kids to wait for just a minute. And I, I have it right here. <laughs> I shed that picture out, and some people actually believed I brought an alligator home in my carry-on bag, all right? This, this is actually uh, Josh. My son Josh got this. I don't know. He was down in New Orleans for the mission trip or whatever, and he, he brought the head back, and it's in my office. But uh, So that, this is my shocking pet. But get this. My grandfather really had an alligator as a pet. And uh, when I was a kid, I'll never forget, he had a wonderful grandpa. He had a fire engine for us kids. We used to drive, ride around out pushing on the siren. The neighbors loved us uh, in, the, in his field. We had, he had a swimming pool, in-ground pool, back, way back when, when I was 50 years ago now. You know, back when nobody had an in-ground pool, he had an in-ground pool. It was a big deal. Every night we, after we got done with the farm work, we were in that pool, you know, about 10 minutes away. All, the, all of our neighbor kids, everybody, it was like a real big deal. Now everybody's got an in-ground pool, you know. Well, most everybody. We, I don't have them. But anyway, uh, but he had a pet alligator. And he, uh, he had a plastics factory right on the canal in Lockport. Lockport, New York, and, and he, and he uh, had this alligator, and he made up all these stories. He actually sent away for it and got it, but he, you know, he claimed he caught it in the canal, all this stuff. He was always joking, and, but it was about a foot long when he got it, and inside his factory in the office, we'd go see it. There's a, he had a big aquarium, really big, and he kept the alligator in that aquarium, and he would play around with it and tease it and, you know, pet it and all this stuff. And we would all be entertained by him playing with his little alligator. It wasn't really an alligator. It was some exotic crocodile or something. You know, I can't remember what it was called. But it was actually a very rare uh, uh, reptile. And so one day, though, he was doing this, and it bit him. It turned out it was a little nasty thing, you know. turned out it bit him. It really tore his hand up. It was pretty bad for a while. So he stopped doing that. And it finally got too big, got about two feet long, and he said, I can't keep it anymore. So he donated it because it was such a rare whatever it was. Uh, we call it the alligator. Uh, it was about two feet long. He donated it to um, the aquarium. I believe it was Niagara Falls Aquarium. And when we go visit the aquarium, we'd look for Grandpa's alligator. And it got really big, you know. It got four or five feet long. And we go, there's Grandpa's alligator, you know. So anyway, that was our, uh, the shock. So, now, I really am going to shock you today. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something that's going to really shock you, especially if you were born in the USA under democracy and you've always been under this. This is going to really shock you. Brace yourself. The majority is not always right. The majority is not always right. And I know that's a shock because we you know, vote in America, right? In fact, the majority is often, even usually, biblically wrong. Biblically wrong. We saw a great example of this today, in the, uh, this week in the news. I don't know if you were following the news. I sent out a few of the articles, uh, and I found that great news site, CBN News. CBN News, someone gave it to me this week, and I've so many good things. So if you get a chance, go on CBN News. You can get the app on your phone. They keep giving you updates. It's really, really good. But the shock and the show that the majority is not always right, uh, I don't know if you saw what happened. The USA... Recognize, I'll, read the, I'll read a couple headlines. The USA recognizes Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights. The Golan Heights. After 52 years, it is time for the United States, this is President Trump talking, and amazing, and I'm not saying this because of President Trump, it could be any president, if it was President Obama, whoever it was, if they did this, I would be reading the same thing, okay? Because you know we're not political, you know, we look at everything biblically, you know that, but... After 52 years, this is President Trump tweeting, it is time for the United States to fully recognize Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights, which is of critical strategic and security importance to the state of Israel and regional stability. Uh, The Golan Heights, for those who are unaware, the Golan Heights is a key territory near Israel's border with Syria. Israel captured this key region from Syria during the Six Days War in 1967. Remember, they were attacked. They were going to be obliterated. They won shockingly in six days, and they annexed the territory of the Golan Heights in, in 1981. They won it in 1967. They annexed it 
1981. Until Trump's announcement, the United States and the international community have considered the Golan to be occupied Syrian territory. The entire world, even the United States, considered it occupied territory. Now hang on, because I'm going to connect it to the Bible in just a minute. Hang on. Last week, in its annual uh, rights report, the U.S. State Department erased the phrase Israel occupied from the Golan Heights, instead calling it Israel controlled, Israeli controlled. In the same week, the Israeli Defense Forces exposed in an Iranian-backed terror outpost on the Syrian Golan. So it was being used, part of it was being used for uh, terrorism. It was used the first time to try to overrun Israel. Um, Earlier this month, Senator, now hang on, we're going to get the Bible here in just a minute. Earlier this month, Senator Lindsey Graham, Republican South Carolina, toured the Golan and pledged to push for the U.S. to recognize Israel's sovereignty over the area. The Golan is not disputed. It is in the hands of Israel and will always remain in the hands of Israel, Graham said. Now here it goes. Now we're going to, another article. It's going to get very interesting here. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu celebrated President Trump's decision to recognize the Golan Heights as part of Israel. He said President Trump has just made history. Standing alongside of Pompeo, Netanyahu was visibly excited and called it a, I gotta say this right, Parim miracle. All right, Parim, it's right now, Parim miracle. He did it again. First, he recognized, now this is, Least likely, I've said this many times, the least likely guy to be fulfilling prophecy is President Trump, right? We didn't expect this, right? We didn't expect it. But he's, I'm going to show you, he's fulfilling prophecy. He's not just making history, he's fulfilling prophecy. The land of Israel was given to the Abraham seed, was given to them because the Canaanites were so wicked that God judged them and took it away. And they didn't like it. They don't like it. You don't think they're upset now? losing that land. Back then, we just did the book of Joshua, right? They were very upset. There was a war, a long, long war. Remember Joshua fighting in the battle of Jericho and all the stuff we studied? They didn't like it then either. But God took it away because they were wicked. That's why. Then Israel, the Israelites became wicked, and he took it away from them. Remember? He took it away from them too because they were wicked too. If a country is wicked, they're punished. Now, he didn't take it away permanently. He said, I'm taking it away uh, but not permanently. Someday, Israel will return to the land, and, uh, and they're going to have their entire country again. There's, it's happened in several phases after Babylon, Babylonian captivity and all, and, and all, and then the Romans took it again. But the prophecies are all very clear that God has given the land of Israel to, to Abraham's seed, to the Jewish people, even though he's going to discipline them and take them out and bring them back again, it's still theirs. They're going to have the whole land. If you read the, the book from Genesis all the way through Revelation, the prophecy is this land has been given to Israel. And God has promised to them. And he said, even though I'm going to discipline Israel, they've been disciplined plenty over history. You've seen that because of their sin. He said that they're still going to end up with this land. It, it's a promise. So he's not just making history, President Trump, the least likely person, but he's actually fulfilling prophecy. And let me read what he says here. Netanyahu said he did it again, talking about Trump. First, he recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital and moved the U.S. embassy here. Then he pulled out of the disastrous Iran Treaty and reimposed sanctions, he said. But now he did something of equal historic, prophetic, I say, prophetic importance, he recognized Israel's sovereignty over the Golan Heights, and he did so at a time when Iran is trying to use Syria as a platform to attack and destroy Israel. And the message that President Trump has given the world is that America stands by Israel. Wow. This is prophetic. Uh, Pompeo, this is really interesting. Pompeo said, as a West Point cadet, now listen to this. As a West Point cadet, he had studied the battles of the Golan Heights. Some of you remember that battle. Right? I was six years old at the time. He said, there's a famous battle called the Battle of the Valley of Tears. And it was Israel's heroism at its most amazing time, saving this great nation at a time of enormous challenge. They're learning this at West Point. This battle was amazing. The threat that came from the east of Golan, from Syria, a tank battle of epic and historic proportions and of amazing Israeli bravery, Pompeo said. Netanyahu said, Purim... Now and then would end the same way. Listen to how he connects it to, and where, where did 
Where did Parim come from? The book of Esther. The book of Esther. All right. And here you have Netanyahu says, we're celebrating Parim when 2,500 years ago, other Persians led by Haman tried to destroy the Jewish people. They failed then, and today, 2,500 years later, again Persians led by the supreme leader of Iran, the Khomeini, are trying to destroy the Jewish people and the Jewish state. They're going to fail again. We are seeing, pay attention, we are seeing not history, we are seeing prophetic history fulfilled. This stuff is all in the Bible. The and, and, they, and, the, and the, uh, connecting the dots to standing alone, and the majority isn't always right, the UN and the international community is totally against this. The U.S., even the media, our U.S. media is totally against it. Have you been following it, right? Totally against this. All kinds of excuses. But only the USA now is standing alone with Israel. But God is on our side. How do we know that? Because this is prophetic. This is all laid out in the Bible. That Jesus, when the Messiah comes again, he is coming back to a Jewish Jerusalem. I tell my Jewish friends this all the time. Listen, it's good that President Trump just recognized Jerusalem because Jesus recognizes it. Jesus said, I'm coming back to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jewish controlled, the capital of Israel, Jerusalem. Jesus is coming back. It has to be in their hands. That's where he's coming back again. And, and the prophecies are that they're going to have this entire territory. That God is on our side on and, and, and this issue. And this is making history and fulfilling prophecy. In fact, let me show you some maps here. They, we'll start with this one. You are seeing Israel in the yellow right in the middle there. Okay, And then you see the West Bank, the white. That's the West Bank. Right? You always hear all this going on. They just had taken a lot of the West Bank. They gave it back again, remember? Thank you, President Bush. See, I pick on both sides, right? And when they did that, the terrorists have now used that as a launching pad again. They, they, in the heart, can you imagine giving the heart of our country away to terrorists? But that's what they did. So the white is West Bank. And then look up top. The white is Golan Heights. Can you see that up top, at the top there? That is what they have now taken but you say, oh, if they would just give this away, there'd be peace, blah, blah, blah. Now, first of all, that's a lie. Their whole goal, the whole goal of all these countries is to wipe Israel off the map. It's clearly, they, they might say one thing to our media, but they, you get their, their newscasts over there and they say very clearly what their intent. But here's the deal. It doesn't matter because I'm going to show you the map. Let's go to the next map. All right, so look at this. All that colored territory make up the 12 tribes that God has given to the Jewish people. Where's the Golan Heights? <laughs> that, Golan Heights way inside of that territory. Where is the, the West Bank? Way inside. Look, look how much more. That territory goes all the way down into all these different countries. This land has been promised by God to the Israeli people, to the Jewish people, to the seed of Abraham. And God is going to make sure they have it. And it's going to get hot. It's going to be intense. But this land was promised by God to them. And so this, what, what President Trump is doing, even though it's ticking off the media and certain people, it doesn't matter. He's just fulfilling prophecy. That's all going to end up back in Israel's hands. It's going to get hot. It's going to be a lot of World War III. It's going to be all kinds of stuff. You read the book of Revelation. But this land belongs. We are seeing prophecy. And not just this. The West Bank. And not just this. But mark my words. The Temple Mount will be in Israel's hands. There will not be the mosque there anymore. It will be a temple rebuilt on that spot completely in Israeli hands. And I know a lot of people say, that's crazy. It upsets some people, but it's crazy. It, it's what the Bible teaches. Remember, some of you might even remember when, they, when it was crazy to think that Israel would be a nation again. It's going to happen. God has promised it. Jesus reinforced it. He's coming back to Israel and his temple. Now, we all know the temple, when it's rebuilt, that's also going to, when that happens, we all know we're really close to the second coming of Jesus. And we also know who's going to try to take that temple, the Antichrist, right? It's going to get hot. But prophetically, watch. Get that CBN News 
the CBN News. Watch, don't, most of the news is not going to tell the truth. Read, read news from a biblical standpoint because Jesus taught this stuff, okay? So, uh, the truth, coming back to what we're going to look at today, the truth is the truth. Even if the majority doesn't recognize it, the UN and everybody doesn't recognize it, this is just one example. The truth is the truth, even if the majority doesn't recognize it. Even if just one person sees the truth, it's still the truth, as we're going to see today from Elijah. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the proof of the prophecies that give us assurance of our faith and that you are in control. And that you are not slow in keeping your promise, but you're patient, wanting to bring us to repentance, wanting to bring many of us to salvation. We pray now, Lord, that you would give us the courage to see what your word says about taking a stand, even alone. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're only going to get one verse done today. It's, it's such a, I got stuck here. Uh, I do it a lot, don't I? First Kings 18.22. Then Elijah said to them, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left, but Baal has 450 prophets. Remember this. If you're going to stand for God, you will often have to stand alone. If you don't remember anything else, remember this. If you're going to stand for God, you will often have to stand alone. Elijah is on Mount Carmel, if you've been following this long. He's on Mount Carmel. He, it's a showdown with the prophets of Baal. It's 450 to 1. Reminds me of, a, you know, I'm a history buff. I love history. Reminds me of a, a Chesty Puller quote. Uh, and some of you might remember Chesty Puller from history. He was a World War II hero. He did all these amazing things in World War II. Just, just a bulldog. Uh, and he was also then in Korea. And when they were surrounded in, in Korea... The, um, I'll just read you a little bit of this. When the Marines were cut off behind enemy lines and the Army had written off the 1st Marine Division as being lost because they were surrounded by 22 enemy divisions. Those who know about the Korean War know what I'm talking about. 22 enemy divisions. Each enemy division had 16,500 people. 22 of them had surrounded one U.S. division, one Marine division, which had 12,500 men. Do the math completely surrounded. They had written them off. And when they written them off, they were shocked when they emerged out of this, this being surrounded. The Marines made it out inflicting the highest casualty ratio on an enemy in history and destroying seven entire enemy divisions in the process. This is the quote. Chesty Paul, there's several different versions, but I read my favorite version. He says, all right, they're on our left. They're on our right, they're in front of us, and they're behind us. They can't get away this time. <laughs> Elijah said the same thing about the prophets of Baal. He had them right where he wanted them. There's no way they're going to get away from him this time. And wait till you see the rest of the story. The next couple of weeks, they don't get away from Elijah. But that, that is a picture... That is a picture of what Elijah is completely surrounded. He said, I am the only one of the Lord's prophets left. The rest have either been killed by Jezebel. Remember, killed them all. And the, or there's a hundred still in hiding. That Obadiah was hiding in the caves and feeding them. Uh, there's, that's all that was left. It reminds me a lot of the United States today, the USA today, where, where so many pastors are hiding the truth. They're not hiding, but they're hiding the truth. There's this careful preaching. They don't preach what the Bible says. Careful preaching. They, they call it being seeker-sensitive. Well, there's nothing wrong with being sensitive, but I think we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit first. First. Holy Spirit-sensitive. And the, the, back to Elijah, the early polling results. Remember I said the majority isn't always right? The early polling results on Mount Carmel showed 450 for Baal. One for Jehovah, the one true God, and how about the rest? Undecided. <laughs> Remember we talked about that last week? The rest wouldn't make a commitment. They were undecided at this time. So it's 450 to 1, and the rest are undecided. The thousands that were up there were undecided. But as we'll see in the next few weeks, the truth is not decided by a poll or a vote. 
The truth is not decided by that. Satan usually has the majority. He definitely has it now in the USA today, unfortunately. We've seen that we've moved away from God and, and from Jesus Christ. And, and Satan definitely has the majority. He, and, and definitely worldwide he has it. That's very, very clear. And this is the key here. Again, Christians are often called to stand alone in this world. Christians are often called to stand alone in this world. And it will be more and more as the USA moves further into apostasy, a further away from the truth of God's word, a further away from Jesus Christ, we will have to stand more and more alone in the United States today. I'll give you a great example. When I was a youth pastor, one of my... Uh, uh, teenagers, he just was reach, he became a Christian. He was from a very rough background. He he was a black belt in karate. He loved to fight. He's about my size, so he was deceptively lethal. And he would go into school and he would come back with stories. You know, this football player was picking on you know, picking on somebody, so I stepped in the middle and I said, "Leave him alone." And and you know, and, and the football player was six five. And next thing you knew, the football player was knocked out. And I'd say, "Yeah, you got to stop doing this." You know, tell him to leave him alone, but don't knock people out. You know, you got to stop. You could be he was, he was just a, he was a gang fighter. He was always fighting, but he was just little guy. But he could knock anybody out. Uh, he used to I used to have him do things at the youth group, we would break boards, we'd bring boards, and they'd break the boards and the, all that stuff, you know, to show, you know, for spiritual essence. But anyway, uh, we, <laughs> we would show how God could break anything, that kind of thing, you know, break sin and all that stuff. But anyway, but anyway, he, he goes to college, and he's really growing spiritually now, and I got him to stop knocking football players out, and, uh, and he was going, doing better, but God was, and he was really growing spiritually, but he, he God was still working on him, and I'll never forget, he went to class one day, and the teacher was, knew he was a Christian because he had shared his faith in different perspectives, and the teacher was having them read a very inappropriate book. It was just bad. It was sexually bad, and, and he was making them go around and read it, and he saved a really bad spot in the book for this, my friend Jay. My, my, he became my intern. He actually became my youth pastor at another church, and he, he said, okay, Jay, I want you to read this next section, and Jay knew what he was doing. He was setting them up. You know, and he goes, well, you know what? He goes, you know I can't read that. And he goes, yes, you, you will read it. He goes, no, I can't. That just totally goes against my faith. I, I can't read that section. Give me in the next chapter. I'll read the next chapter. The next chapter is appropriate. I'm happy to you know. No, you will read this chapter. He says, and if you don't read it, you're going to fail this class. You know, and he just got in his face. You know, you know how, that, how tolerant people are. You know, and, uh, you, know, you know, can you... I don't even want to go there. But anyway, can you imagine it was the other way? You know, so, but the, he, he finally really screamed at him in front of the whole class, said, you will read this or you will fail the class. And Jay said he got up and he walked to the front of the class with a book. He ripped the book in half and put it on the table, table and said, then I fail. And he walked out. I said, good job. You shouldn't have ripped the book. That was a little too much. But good job taking your stand. And he did. He failed the class. And he took it to the grievance and the college, and they ruled against him. He failed the class. So tolerant, so tolerant. So much tolerance, right? Uh, so then, then he was in another class after that, and they start talking about abortion. And the teacher starts talking about it, and, and they said, do you think it's right and wrong? And he said, I think it's wrong. And they start talking. And it was like the, the whole class against him, he said. Now, there was obviously other people there that, believed abortion was, you know, a baby and stuff. And, but he was the only one who had the courage to stand, to talk about it. And he was, he said, I was very respectful, but I, I was firm. I think it's wrong. And then the teacher said, why do you think it's wrong? The whole class is, you know, booing him and all this stuff, you know, half the class. And, and he's like, well, because it's a baby. I just believe it's a baby and it's wrong to kill a baby. You know, and, you know, it's pretty clear scientifically, you know, it doesn't take a genius to figure this out, right? And so, uh, but, but after the class, even though he was the only one who spoke up, after the class, he noticed that there was a girl out in the hall crying, and there was a guy trying to talk to her. And I, you know what happened. She had an abortion, obviously. So she came, he came up and got in Jay's face, and he said, You upset my girlfriend. Tell her right now it's not a baby. He goes, 
You know, and he goes, I, I can't say that. I say, I'm sorry for upsetting you, and I could talk to her and help her because she's obviously in pain over this, but, but I, can't, I can't say it's not a baby. You will tell her right now or I'm, I'll kill you, you know? And the guy was, and then meanwhile, the, the rest of the class was there that was against them. They all formed a circle, kill him, kill him, kill him. They're all shouting, kill him, kill him. So much tolerance. Uh, you can feel the love. But anyway, the, you know, we're going to kill him, kill him, kill him. And the guy says, you tell her right now it's not a baby. because I can't tell her that. I can tell her I'm sorry she's upset. I can help her work through this, but I can't tell her it's not a baby because I can't lie to her. And the guy says, okay, then you've had it. And he, he smashed him, just punched him hard, knocked his glasses off, punched him in the face. And he says, tell her. He goes, I can't. Punched him again the other side of the face. Later on, he had two black eyes. You know, he just hammered him. He says, okay, have you, okay are, you, are you done? Jay says, are you done? He had been in many fights. The guy says, no, I'm not done. I'm going to finish you off. And he swung again. And Jaden, he just deflected. <laughs> he could have deflected at any time. But he took the first two, and then he just deflected. And the guy hit the wall right behind him. Broke his hand. Really broke it. Ah, my hand's broken. My hand's broken. He freaked out, you know. And he broke my hand. He broke my hand, you know. Big, big guy. And Jay just walked away, picked up his glasses, walked away. Came to school the next day, and two of the guy's friends followed him, followed him to the classroom and said, you're done, we're going to finish you off. And he said, look, it's over. He goes, no, it's not over. It's not over until we say it's over. He goes, it's over. Two big guys following him, and, and they came at him, and he took them both down, put them both on the ground, twisted their arms, you know, and he said, it's over. Then they got the point. It's over, it's over, it's over, you know. The guy came in with this big cast on his arm. If you take a stand, if you take a stand for God, for, for the Bible, you will stand alone. And, it's, and it's gonna, we're going to see this more and more as in the United States. If we take stands for what God's word says, we're going to face this more and more. If you decide to stand for God, you'll often stand alone, but we are never alone. We're never alone, are we? One courageous person plus God equals a majority. Romans 8, Romans 8, 31 says this. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are never alone. Those who stand for God never stand alone. Never. You need proof? We have Elijah, which we're going to see. Just wait till we see the next few weeks. But Elisha, Elisha, and Elisha, uh, we're going to look at his life after this. In 2 Kings 6, 15 to 17. Proof that we're not alone. Now here's Elisha with a servant of God. They're surrounded by a foreign army, the enemy army. And when the servant, verse 15, when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh, my Lord, what shall we do, the servant asked. Here we go. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, Oh, Lord, open the servant's eyes. Open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. God is always there. He's always there. Daniel and the lion's den, all by himself with those lions. But the Lord shut the lion's mouths. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What a story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Let me just read a couple verses from that. They, they won't bow down, right? They won't bow down and worship the idol that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. 
and uh, they won't do it. And I'm just going to read it to you. Uh, Daniel 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There, he said, either you worship my idol, my golden image, or I'm going to throw you into the blazing fire. Only three stood alone. Everybody else is bowing down. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But, and this is faith, but even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not Serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. Verse 24, verse 24 then the king leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, okay. He said, look, I see Four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Do you know why he looked like that? Because he was the son of God. Jesus stood with them. All throughout scripture we see this. David and Goliath. You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied this day. It wasn't David versus Goliath. It was God and David versus Goliath. David's mighty men. David's mighty men. David wasn't just the only one fighting. His might, men caught his spirit. And David's mighty men, 2 Samuel 23, 8-12. Some of you probably don't even know this story, but listen to what these guys did. And remember, standing alone, but not alone. Verse, I'll just read a couple of them here. Verse 8. These are the names of David's mighty men. Joshabath, Bathshabath, a Tachamite, was chief of the three. He raised his spear against 800 men. Let me kill them one encounter. Next to him was Eleazar, son of Dode, the Ahohite. As one of the three mighty men, he was with David when they taunted the Philistines, gathered at Pasdemon for battle. Then the men of Israel retreated. They were all talk. They were taunting talk. The men, the men of Israel retreated, but he stood his ground and struck down the Philistines till his hand grew tired and froze. To the sword. The Lord brought about a great victory that day. The troops returned to Eleazar, but only is stripped of dead. One more. Next to him was Shammah, son of Agi, the Herite. When the Philistines banded together at a place where there was a field full of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. It's just one field, just one field of vegetables. What's the big deal? But Shammah took his stand in the middle of the field. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Notice it's the Lord bringing the great victory. It's the Lord. We never stand alone. When we are with God, we're never alone. 
And it's vital to remember this because this story that we're looking at on Mount Carmel is a picture of the end times and the second coming of Jesus Christ, which the world is hurtling toward. Look at the prophecies. Israel's a timepiece. The world is hurtling toward this, this the end times. It's a picture of the, of, the, of the end times and the coming of sec, second coming of Jesus Christ. In fact, Elijah, I believe, is going to be there. Elijah is going to be there. Elijah will stand again for God. What does the Bible say? Just as man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, everybody has to die. Did Elijah die? He's taken up. And we see in Revelation 11, in Revelation 11, 3, end times, uh, I believe we're seeing Elijah take a stand again. In Revelation 11, verse 3, I'll pick it up with verse 3. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. These men will have power to shut up the sky so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying. And they have power to turn the waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. Two prophetic witnesses in the end times standing against the Antichrist. Notice what, what they did. The fire, the, the rain. Who does that sound like? Verse 7, now when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up from the abyss will attack them. Talking about Satan and his Antichrist, the whole deal. Uh, and the overpower and kill them. Their bodies will lie in the street of the great city, which is figuratively called Sodom in Egypt, where also their Lord was crucified. We know this is Jerusalem. Jerusalem, all right, end times. For three and a half days, men from every people, tribe, language, and nation will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. How could that happen? This was written by the Apostle John. How are they all going to see that? Well, we know now, right? We all have cell phones. Right? We have TVs. You have every, the whole world's going to be watching this on CNN. We'll have it on, I'm sure. All right, anyway, we won't go there. Uh, will gaze on their bodies and refuse them burial. The inhabitants of the earth will gloat over them and will celebrate by sending each other gifts. They're going to turn this into Christmas. Because of these two prophets had tormented those who live on the earth. But after the three and a half days, breath, from, breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet and terror struck those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a, in a cloud. While their enemies looked on, at that very hour there was a severe earthquake and a tenth of the city collapsed. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake and the survivors were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. Prophecy is going to happen. And I believe this is Elijah and Moses. Elijah never died. Moses' body was never given over to decay. Right? You know those story in the, in the New Testament? Wasn't given over to decay. God protected his body. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, who was Jesus talking to? Elijah and Moses. On the Mount of Transfiguration. So I believe they are being saved and prepared for this very event. Uh, we will also be called to take a stand. It's not just Elijah and Moses. We will be called to take a stand. In fact, in Revelation 13, a couple chapters further, it says this in verse 9. Revelation 13, 9. He who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. If anyone is to be killed with the sword, with the sword he will be killed. This calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. No matter what you believe about the rapture, <laughs> whether it's at the beginning of the tribulation, the middle of the tribulation, the end of the tribulation, the seven last years of the planet Earth, whatever you believe about it, first of all, it doesn't matter what we believe, it matters what God believes, right? But no matter what you believe about it, it's going to get hot either way. It's going to be plenty hot, even if God were to take us up at the beginning, pre-tribulation rapture, which we all vote for. If it was a vote, we'd all win. That, we'd, that would be a clear vote, right? Even if that happens, there's still going to be a lot of persecution leading up to it. 
But we have to be ready for whenever that rapture is, whether it's the beginning, the middle, the end. We've got to be ready. But it's going to, it's going to get hot, and it's going to be hot no matter what happens. In Matthew, Jesus says in Matthew 10, uh, Matthew 10, verse 22, listen to this. He says, all men will hate you because of me. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. I tell you the truth that you will not finish going through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. I'll pick it up with verse 3. Uh, talking about the end times once again. And uh, it's going to get hot. Uh, doesn't matter when the rapture is. We're all going to face some very serious things. Verse 3. Matthew 24. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives... The disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen and what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nations will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Remember birth pains? If you had a baby, I haven't, but I've seen it. If you had a baby, uh, you know what happens? Birth pains get more intense and closer together. And when you see these things happening more intense, closer together, then you know it's getting close to the time of Jesus' return. What have we seen in the last century? Two massive world wars, right? The first of any first in history. Uh, the, the birth pains closer together. Now, here we go. Verse nine. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations. Be, all nations because of me. All nations. If we think somehow the USA is going to miss this, or we're going to miss out on this, because we live in the USA. Uh uh-uh. All nations. All nations. Verse 10, at that time many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold, but he who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come. The gospel is going to hit everybody, everybody. It's going to get hot. It already is getting hot. We're missing a lot of it, although we're seeing the signs of it here in the USA, but it's already hot, already all over the world. Most of you, all of you have heard about the attacks in New Zealand, the mosque attacks where 50 Muslims were killed. Horrible, horrific, heartbreaking, and for Christians, really heartbreaking because we know we want to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ even more, right? Horrible. All over the news. But what you may not have heard, at the same time that that was happening, there has been an an Islamic attack after attack in Nigeria. Christians are being uh, massacred. In fact, in the same time frame, 300 Christians were killed in Nigeria. I'm guessing nobody heard about that. I'm guessing most of you didn't hear about that. Why? Why? Because our media doesn't report on these things. Most of our media doesn't report on it. Why? Because they hate Christians. Most of our media hates Christians. Not all, but most hate Christians. They're happy. I've talked to people. They're happy when Christians get attacked. This is what they've said to me. They had it coming. I go, what do you mean they have it coming? Well, they shouldn't be out there pushing Jesus in people's faces. They've got it coming. This is what the world, that's why you've got to get CBN News, you know, CBN News, you have to. It, it's, it's already happening. It's happening. And it's scary, isn't it? But you know what's scarier to me? Living without Jesus Christ. It's scary when we read these things. It's scary, right? Let's admit it. It's scary. Do any of us want to go through that? No. Do we want a pre-tribulation rapture? Yes. Beam me up, Scotty, right? But it's scary, but it's not as scary as living this life without Jesus Christ and without a relationship with Jesus or, or facing an eternity without God as our Heavenly Father. That's scary. Do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were scared? Yeah. 
That fire was hot. The people who threw them into the fire died. They melted. It was hot. But look what they say. And, and their faith gave them the courage to stand anyway. Daniel 3, 16 to 18. Where he says, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend you be, be, ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing fire, the God we serve is able to save us from it. But, and this is where faith comes in, but even if he does not, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold. That's faith. It's not the word of faith garbage you see on TV. If you're a Christian, everything's going to go great. No, 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 no. That's a false teaching. Don't listen to that garbage. Shut the TV off. You got David Jeremiah and some of these other guys are good, but most of them are false teachers. Real faith is, no matter what happens, I'm going to follow God. If I'm not healthy and wealthy, I'm going to follow God. Even if I don't have my own private jet like these preachers, I'm going to follow God. That's real faith. That's true faith. God can rescue us, but even if he doesn't save us here on earth, he's going to save us in eternity someday. And Jesus stood with them in the fire. Remember the fourth guy? Jesus stood with them in the fire. And uh, David Jeremiah, I like to read his devotional. I tried to get everybody reading it. It's just such a good one. He had a great quote about this very thing. He says here, God may not always keep us out of hard places... But he is always with us. A hard place with him is better than an easy place without him. A hard place with him is better than an easy place without him. And I tell people all the time, uh, I tell people all the time, listen, there's only one thing worse than what you're going through. And you know I've been through, you know what we've all been through. We've all been through so many hard things. There's only one thing worse than going through what you're going through right now, what I'm going through. And that is going through it without Jesus. That's the worst. That's the worst. Do you have a relationship with God the Father through his son Jesus Christ? Are, do you have him there to carry you through life's battles and into eternity? Because this is just a little blip. 50, 60, 100 years, it's a blip. Do you have him to carry you through eternity? You can have that right now. You can have the, the, the same assurance that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had in the fire. You can have the same person to help you. Jesus, the Son of God, was with them. You can have him right now in your heart. In your life, every day. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. By believing in Jesus, that he died on the cross in our place, that he rose from the dead, that the prove he was the Son of God, well, you can have him in your heart and in your life for all of eternity by putting your faith in Jesus. Let's pray. As we go to this time of prayer, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? How is he convicting us? How is he drawing us? How is he empowering us. Maybe you're telling you're not a Christian yet. We all face many battles in life. The only question is, will we have God on our side? Will we have Jesus walking with us? You can have God on your side and Jesus walking with you this very moment by putting your faith in Jesus. It's through faith. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And that life starts this second. The moment you pray to give your life to Jesus, that starts that second. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus? You can do that right now. It's just between you and God. He hears the prayer of your heart. A simple prayer of faith. Jesus, I put my faith in you.
I want to leave behind the sin and the garbage and the shame and anything that goes against your word or your purpose for my life. I ask you to forgive me. I'm putting my faith in you. I'm giving my life to you, God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. If you have put your faith in Jesus, you have life. And it starts right this second, and it goes throughout all of eternity. And you have Jesus at your side. Anytime you can reach out and take his hand and ask him for his mercy and grace for whatever you're facing. And if you have put your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to let somebody know that. Maybe you have a friend or family member here or tell me or tell someone. Let someone know so that we can be excited for you and and encourage you in your life in Christ. For those who've already put their faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? Maybe it's just been a good reminder to us that no matter what we're going through, that God has a refining purpose. And Jesus is right there with us. Maybe you're going through a really, really hard time right now. And if you're not, you will be. If we're breathing, we, we, we know we have, we have battles in this life, we have trials in this life, but, but maybe you're going through something right now. And maybe it's come, the Holy Spirit has showed you in a whole new way that Jesus is right there in that fire with you. Take his hand. Say, help me, Jesus. Prayer is very simple. Three words, really. Help me, Jesus. Ask for his guidance. Ask for his grace. And also, maybe God is calling us to take a stand for him. Maybe there's something that God is showing us that he wants us to take a stand. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. To take a stand for his purpose and his glory. Would you say, God, I'll do it? I will do it. I will speak the truth in love. As long as I know I'm where you want me, and as long as I know you are with me, I will do this. Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would complete what you're starting in our hearts this morning. We know this is just priming the pump. Lord, I pray that your Spirit would pour out the rivers of life, the fountain, that as the, the pump is primed, that you would just pour out in a powerful way in our lives, in and through us, touching many people, that we would take courageous stands to touch people's lives, to see people have the same hope that we have in Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name.